0: Support for the Heel Tough blog podcast comes from Manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Look guys, we've all been there, we've all been trimming, all of a sudden we clip something we don't want to clip. You don't want to do that. Make sure you take care of your downstairs area just like the Tar Heels have to make sure they take care of Sam Howell. We don't want to have to put the backup in. And guess what? There's no backup for your balls. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. That's right. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past and Come on guys, don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your balls. Let's just be honest, that is disgusting. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. So you don't have to use any of those powders or whatever. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIGHEADS. That's all one word, BIGHEADS at manscaped.com. Always use the right tool for the job, your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BIGHEADS at manscaped.com That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code BIGHEADS to get your Manscaped product today.
1: Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. We'll get the ball to McClendon. He didn't- oh, he doesn't get in! He fumbled a
0: Tough blog podcast. Big heads media podcast. Hey guys and welcome into this edition of the Heel Tough blog podcast. It is our last regular season preview of the 2019 season. Josh Marlowe back with me as always to help us preview what will be the most important game of the season for the Tar Heels when they take on the NC State Wolfpack. The Tar Heels will look to take down their uh, cross tab or well in the, uh, their, their triangle area rival uh, for the first time in three years, and uh, we will look to get bowl eligible. This is a position they've been in quite often, believe it or not, in this series, even when Mac Brown was here the first time around, and so I guess the way I should start by asking this is, where is your confidence level at heading into this game, because uh, there is an interview that will be coming uh, coming out later today that you guys will able able to listen to uh, with former Tariel offensive tackle Mike Ingersoll, uh, and he uh, was maybe not as confident as maybe some people would feel. So, so where are you standing at as uh, we hit the midweek point here of this rivalry week with State?
1: Uh, first things. Can't believe that football season is we're in. We're in the final week. It feels like yesterday we were in Charlotte getting ready for South Carolina. Right. Uh, I, I guess that happens when your team's a lot more fun to watch than it has been in years past. I sit here late on a Tuesday, going into a Wednesday, and I fully expect Carolina to win the game. I think I think they're the better team. They got the better head coach. They got the better quarterback. Um, and it's probably the first time since 2016 I I expect to beat NC State. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at what Carolina did the last two years in this final game of the regular season against the Wolfpack. They played states, you know, that, that state team in 2017, probably the best team in the history of that program, won nine games. Carolina played with them for 60 minutes. And then last year they lost to them in overtime. And that was with a team that was depleted injury-wise and was starting a freshman quarterback who was, ironically, coming off an injury of his own. So right. Carolina's in a much better spot this go-around than they have been the last couple of years. I think the team is more confident going into this game. Um, but with all that said, they've got to be ready to go. NC State might be 4-7. If they were to find a way to keep Carolina at a bowl game, salvage their season, right? But I mean, we we get that. They might even give Dave Doran a statue because that's four straight wins over Carolina. So they've they've got to find a way to match NC State's emotions. I think NC State's going to be an emotional team because they haven't had the season they wanted to have. But understand that, hey, you win you win today. You get some brag bragging rights again with your in-state rival it helps you in in-state recruiting and so there's a, there's a lot of the lines Saturday night there in Carter-Finley
0: I thought that Mac Brown put it best in his press conference the other day where he said that look state is not going to be able to go to a bowl game so this means that this is their bowl game. So Carolina has to be prepared because the Wolfpack are going to lay it all on the line, just as they seem to do just about every time this rivalry game is played. And you mentioned it. I mean, they're 4-7 and seven coming into the game because, of course, the loss last week to Georgia Tech, which was a brutal one for them, uh, means they can't go bowling. So that means no matter what happens, uh, they are not going to be going because at this point, uh, there are more than likely going to be too many 6 seven six teams, believe it or not, um, to actually for, for everyone to go to a bowl game this year. So there are going to be six and six teams that are going to be on the outside uh, looking in and won't be able to go to a bowl game. But if the Tar Heels get a win, they are going to go to a bowl game. They're going to leave out some of the smaller conferences first. Um, but that that's really the good news, sort of good news, bad news for the Tar Heels, because I think there were some people that still thought maybe if the Tar Heels lost this game, they could sneak in with some of the, you know, five and seven teams that we've seen in past years go bowling. That is not going to happen. The good news is the Torials, of course, still come into uh, this matchup with State with a huge lead in the overall series. 66 36-6 and in favor of Carolina in the series Uh, despite losing 9 of the last 12 and that's the biggest issue is that recently uh, State has had the Tar Heels number especially during the Butch Davis era where the Tar Heels weren't able to win a a single game when he was on campus. Um, The good news is though the Tar Heels enter with a 72.6% chance to win the game according to ESPN FPI and uh, they, they are expected to go bowling not only by ESPN but by many of the major outlets who have released their latest bowl projections. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Wolfpack are going to come in fired up, and uh, it's not going to be easy for the Tar Heels to get to their first bowl game uh, since 2016. So when you look at this game, I mean, we talked about it in the recap of the Mercer game that uh, that, that we did last night. This is, yeah. Th- this is an offense that now I- I'm, I- I'm gonna go bold. This is an offense that right now I think is safe to say is one of the top twenty in the country. Of course, the statistics may not put them up there, but I think. Right now, if you were to rank all of the offenses in the country, Carolina's offense is one of the best in the country. They are humming as about as good as they have uh, since that 2016 season, maybe even that 2015 season. They've got a quarterback that right now many people believe has an outside shot uh, to be one of the Heisman sleepers next year uh, in 2020 after a phenomenal true freshman season that is still going on right now for him as he continues to shatter records. So this this seems like an offense that we can be confident in when it comes to this game against NC State, especially against an NC State defense that is struggling uh, as of late with all the injuries they have on the defensive side of the football. Yeah,
1: no, you're, you're exactly right. This offense really found itself, I guess you go back to the Georgia Tech game, and ever since then they've had, outside of the Duke game, they have had little issue putting points up on some of the better defenses in the conference. Forty-one at Virginia Tech, thirty-one against Virginia. Um, what was it at, at Pittsburgh? Twenty twenty-eight. They scored at Pittsburgh.
0: Uh, um, yeah, twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah,
1: twenty-seven. And and so that's telling because last couple years we I mean if we if we got to the twenties we were we were proud of ourselves. But, no, this offense is – and the thing is, it's it's multi-dimensional. It's not just right. Sam Howell standing back there and having to throw it 50 times to move the ball up and down the field. They've been able to run the ball, even with injuries along the offensive line at times, um, and even injuries in the backfield. They've been able to move the ball on the ground, which is, which is how you get everything else to open up in your offense, is being able to establish a, a good and consistent ground game. Carolina has that and they have a quarterback that's good enough to capitalize on that and it sets up deep deep play action throws and he's one of the best in college football hitting those And mm-hmm. it's why this offense made sense when they when they, when Matt Brown hired Phil Longo was for all the issues that we've had mm-hmm. they could still go toe to toe with just about any office in the country if they had to get into a shootout and, and in college football that's going to happen more often than not
0: The only concern for this offense right now really seems to be the red zone offense, although they really did a great job of kind of fixing that a week ago. Now, granted, it was against Mercer, but there was a lot more encouraging things that we saw from this team. Some better play calls and the ability to run the ball a little bit better in the red zone. I think that's been one of the main struggles has been the fact that the Torreels really just haven't been able to run the ball as effectively inside the 20s as they've been. Uh, it, or, or yeah, out, outside the twenties, in between the twenties. So um, I, I think that this right now, this Toriel team, you know, they they got into a groove against Mercer, running the ball in the red zone. Uh, it still feels like Javante Williams is probably your best option down there. But for Michael Carter to be able to get into the end zone for the first time believe it or not, since the Duke game a year ago this past weekend against Mercer, it feels like this team, you know, may have a chance to sort of correct some of the issues that they had earlier in the season in the red zone and maybe come out and really have a good game. I mean, can we at least agree that one of the keys is going to be that they have to find a way to convert those red zone opportunities into touchdowns? Oh yeah,
1: I mean that's that's the difference in why Carolina is having to fight to win this game to make a bowl game. If we want to be honest, mm-hmm. you can talk about the injuries on the defense at times, maybe cost you a game or two. But go back and look at some of these games where they just weren't good in the red zone. You weren't good against Clemson. You weren't good against Virginia Tech, especially in your two point conversion offense. Right, and it cost it cost you bowl games. They're in the if, if I'm, they're in the bottom third in red zone efficiency.
0: Yeah, when it it comes to converting touchdowns touchdowns, in the
1: reds, yeah, right, right. When when you're that bad, normally you're not five and six and still having this opportunity to go to a bowl game. So it's kind of impressive that they still are
0: there. Well, we talked about the reason why is because Sam Howell, the, the his ability to throw the deep ball. I mean, he's got 15 deep ball touchdowns so far this year. That's 20 or more yards, uh, which is just crazy. I mean, that's the only reason. Basically, it's taking a superhuman performance by your quarterback to keep, you, keep your offense moving the way that it should be because you're just not able to do what you're doing it, you know, outside of the red zone, when you get it there.
1: Oh yeah, and you know, the the, the play calling, yeah, the situational play calling inside the twenty, um, has not been great? Um, we've voiced our opinion on this podcast, on social media, mm-hmm. and if, if if we're voicing our opinion, that probably means Mac Brown is voicing his opinion through to Phil Longo about okay, hey. Don't overthink it. Right. You know, we 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 can do simple stuff in the red zone that's effective. I think one thing that that's, that's got to get added to the offense moving forward, they've got to find a tight end. Um, you know, it hurts that Brandon Frick was injured, but that's where a tight end would do Sam Howell and this offense a lot of justice. That guy that can do short intermediate routes, but those routes, you know, end up in making big plays inside the twenties. And I'll and be something that you'll probably see added going into next year. But yeah, if, if they want to win Saturday, those precious um, trips inside inside the twenty yard line, they got to be six and not three. And it, it's really that simple. And you've seen Mac Brown at times just say, "Screw it, I'm not gonna kick a field goal either. We're gonna we're gonna convert a fourth down, or we'll turn the ball over and go play defense." So shows you that he he has been frustrated with this red zone offense because he's tired of kicking field
0: goals. Yeah, and I think, you know, this being the final game of the season, one of the other things that I think is really going to help this red zone offense next year is the fact that you are going to be able to run Sam Howell a little bit more, because no no matter who it is, whether it's Jace Ruder sticking around, uh, which, you know, at this point, there's no reason to believe that he won't, uh, he'll be back healthy, and that means that he'll be there as a backup if needed, or Jacoby Criswell, the true freshman who will come in uh, if he stays committed. Jefferson Boaz uh, could also be a quarterback if needed, if, uh, if if Criswell was to lead the class for some reason. Again, there's nothing that we're not trying to say anything here. I'm just saying there are options at quarterback for the Tar Heels next year at backup. It won't be a, a guy that is a true freshman walk-on in Vincent Amendola uh, who would be back there and would be the next guy that would have to come in if Uh, Sam was to go down, and I think that's one of the things that we saw early in the year. We saw it against South Carolina. They were able to run him a a little bit in the red zone. He actually took in the two-point conversion uh, that cut the lead to three in that game. We saw him have the rushing touchdown against Wake Forest, so I think with him being a threat, to run the football in the red zone. Not only could it open up you know, his ability to score in the red zone, it could open up some of these running lanes for these running backs because you are going to have to account for the quarterback when he, you're in the red zone because he can keep it himself and take it in. So, uh, I think that'll be a big help. I wonder if we'll see a little bit more of that considering this is uh, b- basically seen as the final game of the season or it should be seen as the final game of the season because in order to have another game, you have to win this game so you have to lay it all on the line. I wonder if that'll be brought into play uh, and that's one of the things that Brant Wilkerson brought up when I was talking to him with, with his interview uh, earlier last week. You know he's a guy that you know he, he's one of the guys that thinks that this offense is if that's the biggest thing that's really lacking is the fact that they've got a mobile quarterback but you can see at times that you know Sam wants to take off and run but he decides to either just take the sack or throw it away because he doesn't want to risk any big injury that's going to cost this team their starting quarterback for a long period of time with this being the last regular season game of the year could be a lot different so it'll be interesting to see if that changes when we look at the defensive side of the ball for Carolina uh, you know the the good news is is that their biggest struggles have been against the past so far this year especially in the two games prior to the Mercer game that was where Carolina was picked apart um, we, we of course talked about it the defensive line just has been nowhere near as good as it was earlier in the season and that's mainly because you got a lot of young guys uh, outside of Jason Strowbridge and Aaron Crawford. And for those two, Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge, both guys have played over a thousand snaps so far this season. So uh, they have been out there just about as much as any defensive lineman in the entire country. And they're it, let's just be honest. I mean, they're getting wore da- worn down, and you can't really say that it's on the strength and conditioning staff to have those guys in, in perfect condition. I mean, it's uh, almost unheard of, especially at the college level, for guys to play, I believe, after the this past weekend over 1100 snaps so um, you know, I, I think that's one of the big things. The good news is they're going up against a struggling offense. NC State's offense is nowhere near as good as it's been in the past. It mainly starts with the quarterback position. Of course, they don't have a guy that is as established as some of the other guys that they've had in the past, like Ryan Finley or Jacoby Brissett. Uh, instead, they're going with Devin Leary, who's you know a guy that was talented. He was an Elite 11 quarterback at one time. Um, but just hasn't had a great year so far for them. Their rushing attack is iffy. It's not really all that great, but it's not terrible either. Uh, the biggest thing for Carolina, I think, going into this game, is going to be slowing down that run because that was the thing that killed us the most last year. Uh, you'll remember Reggie Gillespie had a huge game, and coming into that game, he really hadn't done much throughout the season. So, um, I, you know, I think that's that's one of the biggest things. I mean, this it it, it helps that. Carolina's weakness will be matched up against NC State's weakness in this game, right?
1: Yeah, no. We've we've talked at length about the struggles the defensive line has had the last month or so of the year, um, and and the stats that you just said, mind-boggling how much those two guys have had to play. But mm-hmm. that said, Saturday, you whether you're tired, beat up. For, for Aaron Crawford and Strowbridge, final time to suit up, you, you've got to find a way to, to fight through mm-hmm. the fatigue and, and go play. And it helps that State's offensive line and State's offense as a whole isn't all that great. And that's just – that's being brutally honest. Um, they, they've struggled on that side of the ball. Like you said, they've not established with a guy under center. Um as of right now, for all we know, he'll probably be the next uh, starting quarterback somewhere in the NFL because that's what NC State appears to do well is is produce uh, NFL quarterbacks which can't win the ACC. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you, you know, it, it's going to be a game that I think Jay Bateman may have the upper hand of being able to scheme his defense to be in a, a good position. Mm-hmm. He, he struggled against Virginia and against Pittsburgh, but those two kind of offense had big-time games at a time that those teams needed to have for them to continue playing for a potential spot in the ACC title game. NC State not in that situation. Um, it just feels like a game that Shasta Rat's going to make some big plays in. Right. That's where I'm feeling because he did it against Duke. He, I mean, Every time we've needed a play, he's been able to make a play. And it feels like him and Jeremiah Gimmel uh, will be able to do that. And, and I don't know. Maybe I'm reading in too much to what they did last week. I know it's Mercer. Right. I told you the biggest thing about that game was getting confidence in certain areas of your football team. The mm-hmm. offense, it was your red zone. Mm-hmm. Your defense, it was just uh, as a whole getting more confident. They got some takeaways. They may need a takeaway or two Saturday night to, go, to find a way to win the ball game. Right. I think the move to put Don Chapman in the starting lineup, was a to be honest a belated move. I think he should have had more playing time to begin with. Because yep. when he started the Georgia Tech game, wasn't all that bad. So um, I, you got to look at, at that. But it feels like that you know they're they're going to do enough to keep Carolina in the game because they've done that all year long.
0: Oh, I think so as well. Uh, I I know that there's definitely some concern, uh, ma- mainly with you know some of the corners that that have struggled late in the season. But I mean, here's how I look at it. I mean, Storm Duck, Trey uh, Trey Morrison, both guys had injuries that they were playing with. Towards uh, the the latter part of the schedule, there that we played so far um, against Virginia and, and Pittsburgh. Both guys were still banged up. Trey Morrison didn't even travel for the game against Pittsburgh. Now they're they're about as healthy as they've been since early in the season. They're they're about as healthy as they're going to get because they didn't have to play a whole lot last week. Storm Duck had an interception in that game as well. So you want to talk about confidence builders? That's one for him. Uh, and then I mean you know of course Miles Dorn back there last game of his his career, you know, he's going to come out fired up and ready to go. Uh, And I agree with you. I thought Don Chapman, again, now it was against Mercer, but I thought he showed that there was a reason why early in the season he was playing. There's a reason he started the game against Georgia Tech. There's the reason uh, that he showed flashes in, um, oh man, what was the game? I I somehow cannot remember the game prior to Georgia Tech. Clemson, Clemson, um, when he had to come in and play. Uh, in place of Cameron Kelly who is out injured. So I mean it's it's you know it's things like that. There's there's some different guys back there. I feel like there's a little more confidence going in and you know I think that this, this defense realizes that, you know, they're going to need to step up and, and try to help this offense out because, you know, uh, even though this offense has been potent at times, like we said, they they probably see the red zone struggles as well. And, and that's one of the big things for them is that, you know, late, late in the season that hasn't happened as much, but especially earlier in the season we saw it that when this defense needed to step up, they found ways to step up when they had to and get off the field to give the ball the, the ball back to the offense if they needed it Uh, and I think, you know, hopefully we won't be in that situation this weekend. It won't be one of those games where you have to come from behind, but if it is, I I think this defense it's still, you know, as you said, one of those ones that isn't a liability at this point. It can come up with a stop from time to time if it needs to. And uh, that's all they're, I mean, that's what they're going to have to do against NC State. Um, The good news is, is that uh, it doesn't seem like they'll have to score a lot of points unless NC State's offense just all of a sudden uh, kicks it into a higher gear now the match up between the Tar Heel offense and the nc state defense a little more interesting because of course look nc state they've struggled a little bit more defensively this year uh, their defensive backfield has had a real tough time with a lot of injuries uh, just like the Tar Heel defensive backfield that's why they're struggling against the pass as well but the thing that they have that the tutorials really haven't had late in the season is a pass rush. Uh, now again, theirs has cooled down. It's nowhere near as lethal as it's been in the past. But I think that's going to be one of the interesting matchups is this NC State defensive line, which does like to get after the quarterback against a an offensive line that has improved as the season's gone along. You can see some of these guys starting to get a little more comfortable, but still isn't the greatest at protecting quarterback Sam Howell.
1: Oh yeah. Um that's that's the key to the odds of the game every week for Carolina offensively. Mm-hmm. Give your young quarterback time to do what he can do. And we've seen it when when he has time, look what he does. He puts up big numbers. When he doesn't have time, you lose. But I mean that's that's quite frankly what happened. You look at Virginia or not Virginia, Pittsburgh. Even though they lost in overtime, if they protect him better in certain situations, the third down play that they have to keep a field goal to force overtime mm-hmm. Maybe you win the ball game. and um, it's been an offense that's battled injuries and, and, and a little bit of youth up front. I think they've grown a lot uh, over the course of the year, and it, you're right. It does help that NC State's defensive line doesn't feature, you know, a, a group full of NFL, of NFL caliber talent. That that helps you. Uh, but if, if if they're gonna win, you've got to keep Sam upright. Right when he's got to make his throws if not this game could
0: go sideways and you don't want that yeah and i mean this this is uh, another one of those interesting matchups with the fact that nc state the strength of their defense run defense 140.1 yards per game <laughs> Carolina's rushing offense seems to be what opens up those that, that deep passing game and everything that Sam Howell does through the air, and uh, I, we've seen this matchup now three times this year against teams that are allowing 140 yards or less on the ground, and each time the Tar Heels have been able to run the ball. They did it against Virginia. They did it against Pittsburgh. Now the question is will they be able to do it uh, in this game against NC State? That'll be one of the other interesting things that we're going to keep an eye on. So, uh, let Let's get the key to the game. Uh, I mean, there's there's definitely a, a ton of them that we could have just kind of talked about a little bit, but what is your number one key to this game if the Tar Heels want to pull out this victory and get to a bowl game?
1: To me, it doesn't come down to X's and O's. It comes down to emotions. This is a rivalry game with a lot on the line for Carolina. Mm-hmm. And for NC State, this is their Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl every year, but especially this year with their season being lost. You've got to find a way to match their energy for 60 minutes. Carolina's not good enough to wait until the second quarter to wake up and want to play. When that ball gets kicked off at 7 o'clock, you've got to be ready to go. Mm -hmm. You don't want to give NC State any life, get whatever kind of crowd that will show up and have a reason to yell and make some noise. And so I think that's. If, I think if parents is. I told you earlier, Carrots is a better football team, hands down. They're they're better, and they've got the better coaching staff. But if they if if they don't match the energy in the stadium from from NC State and the emotion NC State's gonna play with, then you're liable to get beat. And so that's my key in the game: match their match their energy and excel it.
0: Well, my key to the game is is what we talked about a little bit earlier, which is capitalize when you get in the red zone. Uh, you said it, and it's something that you know we we've all kind of talked about throughout the year, and I think everybody knows at this point. That's one of the biggest reasons why this Toriel team is not already locked into a bowl game and not in ACC Coastal contention in the final week of the season. Uh, You know, they've had their chances to put up more points, especially in the games earlier in the season. They've had games that uh, they would have been able to end. In regulation, games against Pittsburgh, games against uh, against Virginia Tech, both of those games they had opportunities to close out that game in regulation if they score in the red zone when they had the opportunities. They have to do it in this game against NC State because it feels like a game that you're probably going if if things go the way that they should, because of the talent and and because of where this team is at right now, you should be ahead at points in the game. The key is don't be kicking the field goals that are going to keep the game a six point game instead of a 10 point game. You need to capitalize when you have those opportunities. If Carolina can do that, if they can come away with, you know, being, you know, at least. Uh, you know, maybe one possession, you come up with a field goal out of the ones that you have in the red zone or all of the possessions that you have in the red zone are converted into touchdowns. That's what's going to be the difference in the game. I think Carolina, uh, if if they're going to get it done, they have to get it done in the red zone. So, uh, who are going to be the uh, players of the game that we're going to be talking about on the offensive and defensive side of the football? Again, Sam Howell is not one of the guys that you can pick on the offensive side of the football. Every Everybody on the defensive side of the football can be picked.
1: Um, offensively, gives me giving me Michael Carter.
0: Okay. Um, I think he's hit. You know, we touched on this when we talked to Mercer. He's 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 hitting his stride. He's a lot more
1: confident, toting the rock. Mm-hmm. He's running. He's running hard. He's hitting holes. And when he gets to the second level, he's a he's a tough man to catch defensively. I already told you, Chasarett. Right. Uh, earlier in the year, you know, we, he kind of got the Sam Howell treatment. Kind of cooled off, but I I think he's going to make some plays. That if Carolina wins, uh, winds up in the win column, you'll look at what happened defensively. It'll be Chassarat. Uh
0: Yeah, offensively. You know, Michael Carter, a, a really good one. I think uh, Daz Newsom's going to be a guy that's going to come out fired up and ready to play. Daz did not play in the game against Mercer. He was suspended uh, due to missing a practice from oversleeping. Uh, they said uh, as of yesterday, he will be back with the team for this game because he did everything that he needed to to get back on the field. So that's the good news. And I think he's going to be fired up to show Mac Brown that that was just a mistake and that he is ready to be a part of this team uh, for this This year and next year, going forward, Uh, he's the leading receiver on this football team for a reason. And uh, I think you know, with with Sam having him back for this game, it it will be huge. If he wasn't in this game, this uh, this passing offense just wouldn't be the same without him. So I think he's going to come out and play a big role on the defensive side of the football. You know, I, I you were talking about the guys on the defensive line; they've played a lot so far this season. I think that you know Jason Strowbridge is a guy his final game against NC State it feels like he he knows that he's going to have to show something against uh, a young quarterback in Leary who's, who's had some struggles throughout the year especially when they've been able to get pressure on him. I feel like he's a guy that's going to realize that, have a chance to step up. Uh, last week they did some interesting things with him early in the game where they you know put in Jaleel Taylor at the 4-I technique spot and kind of moved Jason Strobridge to a more natural 5 technique defensive end spot. Uh, I think they might do that a little more again in this game and he was extremely effective when he was playing out of that spot uh, in the game against Mercer. Again, it is NC State, but this offensive line for NC State isn't as good as it's been in past years, just like their defensive line. And I think that uh, one of the guys that will be able to take advantage of that will be Jason Strobridge. So, uh let's do the score predictions uh, as we wrap up the preview for the game against nc state i'll let you go first uh you have predicted uh you predicted a win last week against mercer but uh, the last two acc games you have predicted a loss what are you predicting in this game
1: i think carolina wins and i think they're going to win decisively um I think they're going to be ready to go. I think Mac Brown will have these these guys ready. I think they'll seize the opportunity to go to a bowl game, beat a rival for the first time in three years, get Mac Brown a two and two mark against in-state rival or in-state opponents this year, which is a lot more improvement than what we've dealt with the last three years. I think the heels win thirty-eight seventeen and we'll be recapping a, a, a fun win over the rival NC State and getting get ready
0: for bowl season. Well, Mac Brown owned NC State towards the end of his career in Chapel Hill the first time around this time around will he comes in in a little bit of a similar situation to what he was in early in his Carolina coaching career uh, when he first played against uh, or when he first coached against NC State where he was struggling against them now uh, look this team comes in they're the better football team on paper for sure uh, max been in this situation before he was in this situation back in 1995 and pulled out the victory as well and it was a very similar situation because Carolina was the more talented football team? We'll see if that, uh, you know, will work out for Carolina this time around as well. Um, I think that you know, right now Carolina, I, I think knows this is this is different than in past years uh, against State. Things aren't locked up, um, or in in the last two years, you know, you don't your season is not. Over, uh, you know, if if you don't win the game, you know, no matter if you win the game or lose the game. And last year, I, I think we saw some fight out of the guys because they were trying. They they knew that Larry Fedora's job was pretty much done. Uh, no matter you know whether he won the game or not, um, they were trying to make at least one more stand, you know, to, to try to keep him around. Um, and, you know, things boil over. I think that that's going to be, you know, the kind of game that we're going to see here. I think emotions are going to be high on both sides because, you know, who knows? NC State, I, I don't think that, you know, anybody that actually has any inside information, uh, you know, with NC State athletics thinks that Dave Dorn is going anywhere. But I would not doubt if the feeling in that locker room is going to be made out to be that this could be be Dave Doran's job on the line. So NC State's going to try to come out fired up. Uh, things could get very ugly uh, early and, and, and could stay that way for most of the game. Carolina's got to be ready for that, uh, and they've got to come out and, and and show that fight that you were talking about. I think th- this is going to be another one of those one-possession games that we've seen all season for Carolina. Uh, State is not the most talented team that they've faced, but they're clearly not the worst team that they faced either. Uh, so I think this game will be close. Uh, I think it's going to be somewhat similar to last year. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Carolina 31-27 to 27 over NC State. This will be one I think that we're going to talk about uh, for a little while. I think uh, Sam Howell wills his team to a victory, and the Tar Heels go bowling for the first time since 2016. So that is going to wrap it up for this preview edition of the podcast and, uh, of course, you guys can check out the game. It's on the ACC Network at 7 o'clock. Uh, as well as, if you, if you don't want to listen to it on the uh, ACC Network, you can head over and listen to Jones and Brian Simmons on the call for the Tar Heel Sports Network. Um, and, you know, we, I think everybody's psyched at this point. It's going to be a fantastic matchup. Uh, if you believe that, you know, the crowd isn't going to show up, you're dead wrong on that. I mean, look, the team, their team is four and seven, but they're going to be fired up. I know a lot of Tario fans are going to be making the venture out there. Uh, make sure you're smart, stay safe, uh, and and just uh, you know try to help will this team to a victory, uh, and hopefully this team will be able to gain uh, those extra practices and be able to find themselves in a bowl game. So with that, we turn to the 40 yard dash, our final 40 yard dash of the regular season. And in this edition of the 40-yard dash, we start with some news about 2020 four-star outside linebacker Trenton Simpson. He officially announced that he will announce his commitment on the opening day of the early signing period, which will be December 18th. So not much longer for Tar Heel fans to wait. He was on campus once again for the Mercer game. And at this point, it seems like unless Clemson was to pop a late offer, uh, it is all but done for Trenton Simpson. He will more than likely be a Tar Heel and will officially announce that on December 18th. Um, We will be there to cover his uh, announcement as well if he does end up having a ceremony, which you would expect, especially with him announcing uh, the date being the first day of the early signing period. So we will, of course, have everything that you need uh, up until his decision. And, of course, we'll let you know if Clemson does decide to pop on that offer, which, again, doesn't seem to be coming anytime soon unless Justin Flo decides uh, he is going to go to USC. And right now it's still leaning strongly in the direction of Clemson. So that's the good news for Carolina. 2023-star defensive tackle commit. Clyde Pender Jr. will take his official visit to campus next weekend. He announced that on social media yesterday. Uh, there was a little bit of concern for Tario fans after he did receive an offer from Florida, which is uh, his, his in-state team. But at this point, uh, you know, there are some 24-7 writers for Florida that are throwing some rumors out there. But as of right now, he still seems pretty solid to Carolina, so I wouldn't really be that concerned. Um, and especially if he takes that official visit and everything goes well, I would not doubt that he's gonna maybe even double down on his commitment. Um, most people believe that he already has doubled down to the guy that is the lead recruiter uh, for him, which is Tim Brewster. So, uh, of course, we'll keep an eye out for you uh, with that and let you know if anything changes uh, on the heel tough blog.com. Former Tar Heel inside linebacker. Cole Holcomb finished with 13 tackles as he headlined a big NFL weekend for the former Tar Heels in the league. Uh, Mitch Trubisky had a nice performance against the New York Giants, but then again that's everybody who has a nice performance against the New York Giants because the New York Giants suck. Uh, I am a Giants fan so I am allowed to say that on this podcast. A couple other big performances from the Tar Heel guys included Mac Hollins uh, in his game for Philadelphia. Of course, he's been starting for most of the year uh, and uh, some other good performances from uh, Giovanni Bernard as well. Uh, Ten Tar Heel prospects are still alive for their state championships. Uh, they will look to join Kedrick Bingley-Jones and A.J. Beatty, who have already won state titles, some big-time matchups for uh, the Tar Heel commits uh, this week include Myers Park Safety and Four Star uh, Tar Heel Commit. Cameron Roseman Sinclair traveling down to Rockingham, North Carolina to take on Richmond Senior High School. We will be there for that one. And then there is a huge clash in the 1A uh, state playoffs here in the state of North Carolina as Jefferson Boaz, the 2023 star athlete that is committed to Carolina, will go up against uh, his future teammate in 2023 star running back, Elijah Burris. The winner will move on to the 1A state semi final so That is going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Of course, we remind you guys to go on to Heeltopblog.com, Check out all of the great stuff that we have up there for you guys. On the football side of things, you can go back, check out the Mercer recap as well as the stock report. We'll have the trench report that's coming out later tonight. And then of course, uh, we will get ready for NC State with the preview. You can check out um, all sorts of other great stuff that we'll have with the uh, NC State game. We're going to have an article coming out that will rank the best games that we've had against NC State. We rank uh, five of them and then give you a couple of honorable mentions there as well, so make sure you guys check that out. Uh, and then, of course, we'll have all the recap stuff from you for the State game. We'll recap the game, have the stock report for you and the trench report for you. And then, we don't really know what direction we're going to be going uh, from there just because we don't know what this Tar Heel team will be doing. If they win, we'll, of course, have all the bowl coverage for you. We'll get, let you you know where everybody is predicting the Tar Heels to go before they eventually get placed in a bowl game uh, a couple of weeks down the line and then uh, if they do go bowling of course we will have all that coverage for you if not that means we're going to start to batten down the hatches look towards next season recap this season a little bit and then of course we'll be looking towards the early signing period for the Tar Heels for what should be a phenomenal 2020 class so keep up with the heel tough to find out what direction we'll be going in uh, once this NC State game is over. As for the basketball team, they are in the Bahamas this week, so make sure that you check out all the great content that we're going to have there because uh, we got the preview getting ready to go up. Um, that, that'll that be great for you guys to read, so uh, it'll take a look at the Toriel's matchup against Alabama and then kind of look at all the other teams in the bracket as well just to give you a little bit of a synopsis of all those teams that Toriel's will at least have a chance to face. And then, of course, we will have you covered uh, throughout the tournament. I'll be doing Anthony's analysis after every single game. Josh will recap the entire tournament, and we will have everything ready for you guys uh, as needed. So make sure you keep uh, keep an eye on that with all the great basketball coverage that we're going to have for you. Even when football season's over, uh, the articles might dwindle down a little bit on the football side, but that means they'll only pick up on the basketball side. So make sure you keep up uh, with everything Tar Heel football and basketball only on the heel. TarHeelsUpBlog.com. So, want to thank Josh for taking some time out of his evening to come on here and preview this important game against the NC State Wolfpack. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels and go to Hell State.